you gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. Yo, what's up? This is Emilio the Poet. Hey, what's good? This is Manny Digital. Welcome to another episode, the quarantine episode of Dribble and Dimes. Uh, we're doing, like I mentioned to y'all before, we're doing this Dominican season right now. So we we in the thick of it. Um, we got another wonderful guest uh, with ties to the tri-state area. And, and, and actually, he was... Raised in Washington Heights, that's what that's what he claims as as kind of home, right? That's that's kind of where he got his start. Uh, but then there was a transition, and then he ended up just right over the bridge in High Bridge. So he's a a, a dual citizen, if you will, um, up uptown Manhattan and uh, the Bronx, New York. Um, he played high school ball over in New Jersey at Paramus Catholic High School. We're gonna get into that commute because I know it was a monster. Uh, he came up competing against the likes of Corey Fisher, Edgar Sosa, Duke's alum, Gerald Henderson, just to name a few. Um, he a- earned a spot on the Temple Owls roster when, when it was time for college. And I want to say that was John Chaney's last year, right? When when you joined the team? Uh, no, I was Chaney's last recruit before he retired. So okay, that's part of his legacy. That's, his that's, that's, that's what I meant. That's, there was a tie in there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, right now, he's a part of the Dominican national team as an assistant coach. He's also director of operations down at Stetson in Florida uh, for the men's basketball team. Uh, man, and I'm sure you're doing a bunch. Oh, psh, of course. He also puts on the Washington Heights in the Invitational every year in the summer over in uh, Washington Heights. With us today is Luis Carlos Guzman. <laughs> Thanks, thank you, thank you, uh, Manny, and we appreciate you guys, man. You guys are doing a great job with this. Uh, I've been a fan of it. The first time that I, I caught on to it was when uh, Orlando got on it, and okay. then followed by uh, my, my man Chuck. So, and mm-hmm. the way Killings, you know, yeah. uh, I think those those guys are like you know the big boys in this in, in this basketball world. So you know, you guys, what you guys are doing is great and it's needed in uh in our community and in our culture. So appreciate you guys yeah. for that. Yo, thank you, man. I just want to say real quick, man, I love the way it looks like you're in a press conference right now. That's what I love. <laughs> ESPN ain't got nothing on you right now. <laughs> yeah, man, if, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, man. That's so, right. Awesome. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. Yo, well, thank, you uh, for, thank, thank you for doing this with us, man. We appreciate you. Anytime. Anytime. Big fan. Again, just just so those that are listening to the episode and not able to see, um, we are doing it now via Zoom. And you know how everybody can get their own little, you know, background. Luis got some serious press type of backdrop going on right oh, now. Oh, yeah. And he's oh, yeah. super Stetson down, head yes. to toe right now. So Yes. <laughs> My That's dog cool. right now at the moment, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if, you're, 
if your school don't give you a raise, I don't know when you're going to Yeah, no. Nah, <laughs> right. Yeah, the, a, the, the AD will be proud for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, Luis, so so you just t- opened up talking about Chucky Martin, um, Orlando Antigua, Dwayne Killings. Um, obviously, because you mentioned their association with the podcast in some previous episodes, but they also have significant relevance in kind of your basketball upbringing and generally in your life. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of what that means and how, how that's played up, how they particularly have played a part in, in your upbringing. Uh, basically, you know, those guys has been, you know, Latinos, um, coaches in house basketball, which is hard even to get in this business. Um, there's not a lot of us. Um, Dwayne Killer and I, I think he's a Latino too, cause he's married to a Dominican. That's woman, right. So, <laughs> and it's like my, like my, my big sister. Um, so, those guys played a major role in my in my development, man. Just especially Orlando and, and Killings and Chuck. Um, you know, when I have I'm having some type of uh, trying to break through, I, I call those guys to see what they think or give me a, a way of, of thinking to to move forward. So, you know, those, those guys been there for me since since as a, as a player. Orlando coached me and Edgar Sosa when we were 16 on the national team. Um, the way Killing coached me in college at Temple. And, you know, Chuck recruited me when I was coming out of high school. Um, but, you know, he was kind of pissed because I went somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, having those, having those mentors, man, guys that done it and been through it, you know, it's, it's, it gives me a high percentage not to fail. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It, tell me tell me about that. Like, you, you know, here's a guy that recruits you and you ended up choosing a different school. What was that like at the time? Did you recognize him as a mentor, like as a big influence? And... Why did you choose the other school as opposed to the school he was? Because, uh, um, you know, I think Orlando was at Pittsburgh and um, and uh, Chuck was at, uh, I think, Maris. He was the head coach at Maris. You know, me coming to high school, uh, Maris was too low of a school for me. Um, right. Pittsburgh was too high of a school for me. So um, Pittsburgh at the time was a high major and um, Maris was like a low major. And Temple was a perfect fit for me. Mm. Um and Pittsburgh had like you know they had a whole bunch of guards. Okay. So um, Temple was a perfect fit. You know they had Moy Collins at the time. He, he got drafted by the Knicks. So it was like you know it made kind of makes sense. And you had a Hall of Fame basketball coach that retired before I got there, and then we got a new coach, Fran Duffy, that changed the whole ball game. So nice. So if we I go if we go back, um, you in the Heights, you mentioned. Since you could remember, you've been playing basketball. What? When was that actual moment when you were like, "Yo, I'm taking this serious"? Versus it was just you in the park or whatever, just getting by. Like, do you remember when that transition occurred? It was in the eighth grade. You know, I was playing in the city, um, playing with the Gauchos, playing with Dykeman, um, playing with Coach. Uh, no, I'm sorry, playing with Dykeman, the Gauchos, and El Pack. And it was eighth grade. Um, my eighth grade team, the Gauchos, who was like top 20 in the country. It was me, Ergasosa, Sosa, Kashif Pratt, um, Curtis Kelly, um, listen someone else. Um, it was a group of guys. And I was like, whoa, I, you know, guys are recruiting me to go to the high school. St. Ray's, Rice, uh, Primus Catholic, Blair, Blair Academy, St. Pat's. It was like, you know, that's when I thought. I was like, wait. I'm pretty good at this because I'm getting these top high school guys wanting me to go to their school. And then right there, like eighth grade, that's when it really clicked for me. 
and it and it was getting the the looks and the attention. You were like, oh, like you you were. You know, you were going through the motions. You were playing. Yeah. I'm sure you felt you were pretty good, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. But that yeah. was like the indicator for you. It was like, oh shit, yeah. these these people are looking at me more, more and more now. This is something serious. Yeah, yeah. And then I, another thing too, living in the Heights and moving to the Bronx. Um, the Heights, you know, is more of like uh, handles and stuff like that. But moving in the Bronx with my, you know, my African American community, like where I, where I love and did and hold value in my heart. They taught me toughness and how to play and compete. You know, being around, being around those guys. Um, you know, Kemba Walker, old, older cousin, um, a couple guys like you know the Matrix. You know, guys that was like really good basketball players, man. That I, I just watched and then see how the difference between playing in the Heights and playing in the Bronx. Like, I had the best of both worlds. So, mm. um, you know. Growing up in the in, in, in that community in the Bronx, man, made me made me a tough guy, man, made me a competitor. So I'm always and I always think think back think back to that moment moving to the Bronx. I was kind of scared, um, and it was a, it was a blessing in the sky. So yeah, th- that's very interesting because I, I was actually having a we had a recent interview about uh, <clears throat> recent the last couple of interviews. We're talking about New York basketball. What if you're an NBA or you're in the big time leagues? You can tell a, a New York basketball player versus like a person from Chicago or wherever. And one of the things for me that stands out is handle. You know what I mean? Like people kind of have that little swag, whereas little you know some up. other states. So I wonder. Um, for me, anyway, I don't know about now traditionally, but like overall, just the landscape of New York ball, I feel like a little swag to you on the court is part of our culture. Let's say. But my question it to is, you is, it is right. It is. But what's the question? No, so so the, my question is, do you feel like there's a huge distinction? Because it's funny. I never looked at it like the Heights versus the Bronx. I thought it was just like a, a, just like a whole like New York thing. New York City thing. But my question is, do you find there's differences between boroughs? Because that's interesting. I never looked at it from a borough standpoint. You understand so what I, I'm saying? I mean, from my perspective, I think playing, coming from the, like Bronx and Brooklyn, like Brooklyn is known for having tough guards, man. Like, Brooklyn is known for, like, the mecca of, of guards. You know what I mean? But uh, I think the Heights, Queens, you know, you, you, you have your different your different elements. But I think, you know, it's different styles of play. You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, Corey Fisher's from Brooklyn. You know, uh, Malcolm Grant's from Brooklyn. Telfair, Marbury, mm-hmm. you know, Lou, Lou Flores from the Heights. So if you compare it, you can see the, and the, stink, and the stink in the way they play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think so. I agree. I agree. There, there is different distinctive of playing the point guards. So that's interesting. That's interesting. What, what, what do you feel? Will you feel like you're a more of a mixture between the Heights and the Bronx as far as your style? Of uh, game? I because in the beginning I was a scorer. Okay. You know I was a, a two guard uh, in my eighth grade year. I was just a guy as a scorer. And then when I got to to high school, I had this uh, coach that played in the NBA, Tony Campbell, played at Ohio, mm. Ohio State, played in the NBA for 13 years, won, um, won a championship with the Lakers. Yep. Having him as my high school coach. That's crazy. Just gave me, like, you know, the, the basically the, the answer to the test. So <sighs> he, he, he said, hey, you're a 6'2", two, two guard, you know, that's not, you know, at the next level, it won't translate well. So he right. gave me point guard. You know, I was I was a combo guard coming out of going to, going to high school, and then he transitioned into a point guard, 
And then from there, it was just, you know, things started opening up because I was a 6'3", 205 strong solid point guard. Solid point guard, yeah, so, yeah. Hmm. Yo, that's awesome. Yo, Tony Campbell. Yo, big shout out to Tony Campbell. I remember him yep. on the Lakers. Yep. Well, that's a treat, man, to have him as your high school coach. You were you were spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I've been spoiled my whole life, man. Book, <laughs> um, my AU coach uh, Jimmy Salmon from the Players Club. Like, man, we had an all star all star AU team, man. We had, I had three, four McDonald's American on my team. Wow! Wow! Yeah. On your Gaucho squad. No, the players. New the, oh, the, players. the, the Ten Thomas players. Got it. Yes. Okay. He, yeah. We had him he on the show. Ten Thomas, right? Yeah. 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 He yes. mentioned that. Yes. He mentioned that. Yo. So wait. Yo. Hold on, because because yeah, now you, you 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 took a couple of my questions out of contention now because I was gonna ask you what made no this is good this is good because now I gotta freestyle and find some good shit so um. <laughs> So you your decision to go to Paramus Catholic was something that I I wasn't too clear on because you you know you from the Heights you grew up you know part time in the Bronx you had an affiliation with the Gauchos um, how does New Jersey come into play and so I mean maybe you could just go into it but I think you already kind of gave us the answer as to what okay. motivated you so what happened was it was our eighth grade my eighth grade Gauchos team which was the guys from the city. You know, we all made a pack. We was going all to the same high school. Um, um, so we had a, a coach from Jersey that used to come. Was a, a, a he was a 16 year coach um, at Prem, at Premise Catholic. He was a JV coach, but he used to work at the Gauchos. Okay. So he coached us in the eighth grade national tournament, and you know he's like, "Hey guys, you know this is school in Jersey. I want all you guys to come." So we all made a pack. You know what I mean? That we was gonna go to the same high school. So we took visits. We went to went to Rice, went to um, St. Raymond's, Ohio, and then the last visit was Jersey. Um, and you know, growing in the city, you know, you, you always want more. So as a kid, I always had this mindset: like I want more. Like you know, I, I just want to be a city kid. Yeah. And um, so we went on this visit, and it was like a forty-five minute hour, hour ride from the city. Um, we all go, we take an, a, an official visit to the school, take a tour. And once I get there, I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? Wow. You know, like, what is this? Is this the high school or college? Right. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it had the, the grass was green. The, the, the gym was beautiful. It was just a nice, a nice environment. You know what I mean? Um, and coming from the inner city, you know, going to elementary school and like the education in New York, it sucks. And I, and I you know, and I, you know, I'm sorry, it sucks. <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't give us that push that we need. And then going across the water kind of showed me like, wait, this is a little different here. So I always wanted different. So to make a long story short, you know, the other guys committed to Rice. And at the time, they had, you know, Russell Robinson, um, you know, all these guys at Rice. And Edgar and Cash and Curtis went to Rice. So I was like, you know, I, to be honest, I don't think I'm going to play here. Right. So I, I always been like my own guy. I always like, like to, to do stuff on my own and be a creator. Like, you know what? Let me just try something over here. Let me go over here and test myself and see if I can do this. And I committed to Primus Catholic. And it was the best decision I ever made in my life. So, so the, when the you three, say, 
Yeah, sorry. The three of you that that were making that commitment was it you, Cat, Kashif Pratt, and Egasosa? Those are the and Curtis Kelly and Curtis Kelly. Okay, there was four of you. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So when you say you you didn't think you were gonna play at Rice, is because of your the the amount of talent that they had already, your position, or or you just felt like you just needed a different environment? What was it? I, I, it was it was um I needed a different environment. You know what I mean? That that whole environment was brand new. It was like something you see like. And say by the bell when you watch when you watch kid when you was younger. It's like this, you know, this is high school, you know. Um, and just like I, I always been a student, student of the game, I always see things before and after me. So I saw they had a whole bunch of guys that you know I would never play that at the time. It was like top ten in the country in high mm. school, and they had the guys coming in. So I was like, you know, I, I would never play varsity until like my junior year. You know what I mean? And then I I will play a role. So my development there would have been, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it would have been better. But me thinking at the time, I was like, this, you know, it's not something that I can play through my mistakes. Right. So I went to Bramish Catholic and played he played as a freshman. So mm. can't beat that. You played Vars as a freshman. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Got yeah. it. And Tony Tony Campbell was your coach as soon as you set foot there. Right? No. So ah. here, here's the thing, right? Every time I'm going to play somewhere. A coach brings me in, then he ended end up leaving, and then I get a new coach. <laughs> That's your career. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so the coach that brought me in, he has some health issues, and uh, he passed away about two years ago. Oh, man. Great wow. guy. Great family guy, man. I, I was I was show every time I speak to his sons and his, and his wife, man, that guy took a chance on the kid from the city. Um, and then Tony Campbell took the job, and then, you know, it was history from there. So damn, okay. I thought it was like a cheat code. Like you knew Tony was over there, so oh. it was like the mentorship opportunities are great. Like let me just right. make this move. But so yeah. you you just happen to fall into some real lucky situation. I mean, yep. you know, unfortunately, you know the coach had to go for health reasons, yeah. but it, yeah. it wasn't a demotion necessarily. It was a promotion yeah. for yeah. for you. Yeah. Wow. So. I have a question regarding um, – so when you made the change, when you went to Paramus, right, my question is you knew Rice High School. You knew as far as the level of talent that they had, but also what they were up against. What In comparison, looking back now, how was Paramus – how would they, your team fare at the time with the amount of talent you guys had, but also in the league you played versus Rice and the league that they played? So uh, I think Jersey basketball, North Jersey basketball, is like one of the most beautiful basketball leagues in that area, you know what I mean? New York City, you have your two or three teams, you know what I mean? Right. But the, the competition, you know, they I know Rice had had to go somewhere else to play like top other schools like uh Roman Catholic and Oak Hill and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like overall basketball, uh Jersey basketball is like way beyond um time, you know what I mean? So right. um, the competition was good because you know we we played everybody, you know what I mean? And and out and once we get to AU and, and and the people that I played in high school, you guys are gonna be surprised, man. So well, okay, why, why are we waiting? Go. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Tell me, tell me about. It. <laughs> so in AU, uh, played with the so from there, I went to Jersey. I went to Pamela's Catholic. Uh, I went freshman year in the whole uh, North Jersey. So my wow. name was like you know my name was like up up and coming, and I was playing with the Gauchos. Um, and then the you know Tim Thomas AU team, um, I played one game against Hackensack High School and I had like thirty five as a freshman, and everybody like who who is a Spanish kid from yeah. New York that's killing everybody, and then the AU coach you know 
approached me and said, hey, would you like to play with the players? And I'm like, nah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kid from New York, and I go, to, you know, I play with the Gauchos. And then I did the research, you know, I'm like, yo, who are the players? And I'm like, whoa. You know, they had, like, guys like J.R. Smith before me, Tim Thomas, Vince Carter. Um, you know, the list goes on, man. It's like they had a whole bunch of pros. I'm like, oh, you know, um, Sean Banks. Um, man, it's, it's so many guys. Sean Secretary, Kyle Lowry. Um, mm. So it was like the guys, I'm like, oh, you know, you know, I want to play with these guys, man. And then wow. um, my class, my AU team, I'm going to tell you my AU team, right? It was uh, Gerald Henderson that played at Duke, played in the NBA for like, I think, 10 years. Yep. Um, Wayne Ellington, a national championship with North Carolina. I know all these. Um, Earl Clark that played at Louisville, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Wellington Smith that played at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Jawan Carter that played at St. Joe's. Um, Corral Calhoun played at uh, St. John's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big City played at uh, Memphis. I played at Temple. Um, and then we had Corey Stokes that played at Villanova. Um, and I have four McDonald's Americans on my team. Wow. And I was like the point guard on that team. So, you know, we, we played DJ Augustine. Yo, is somebody killing a uh, kid somewhere? Do you guys hear the screams? I, I don't have no kids over here, man. <laughs> no, it's not. It could be, it could be in my area, but. Hold yeah. On. Yeah, I just I just muted Emilio with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. you know we had man, we had uh, uh, Kevin Durant was our class. My, my Michael Conley, that old sick class was, was was sick, man. So wow, AU team was pretty cool. And, and so when you, when you say you did your research, what was so that was what? Oh, what year was that roughly? Because I'm trying to think how. Uh, where when were I, you? Oh, oh, two, oh, two. When I went to uh, high school. Okay, so I graduated. You, so I guess you could jump online and do some research. Is that what you did? Like when you say doing yeah, research? Yeah, yeah. Because like the players was like the best AU team at the time, man. They was, you know, they was like known, man, for having the great players. So right. I wanted to be one of those guys. Yo, but I have a question regarding. Um, I know you said you came in as a as a as a shooting guard, basically coming out of um, high school. Well, going into high school. Was it a tough transition for you to learn the point guard position once you established yourself there? No, no, because um, in the city, you know, growing up, if you don't get buckets, people think you can't play. Right. So um, I, I always had the point guard attributes to me. Um, my, my dad was a point guard, and he always put me in point guard roles. But mm-hmm. growing up, you know, if you, don't, you couldn't get buckets, no one would respect you. Right. But I think it was a, you know – as I moved on, it just became natural to me. You know what I mean? Right. I forgot how to score when I got to college, but you know, I was <laughs> more of a yeah, yeah. I was more of a passer and a you know facilitator. Winner. The facilitator. I saw yeah. some. I saw some highlights of you when you were playing. I want to say for Los Titanes, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And uh, I thought it like there was some amazing passes. Yeah. In like. When you look at them, because you know you see a lot of highlight stuff, and then you get desensitized. You don't, you can't appreciate the in-game difficulty and creativity that it takes to actually execute that, because you you're flooded with all these highlights, right? Nowadays, mm-hmm. but I I kind of put myself in your shoes in that moment, and and you did something where you were you know going down to the basket, and then you had a defender kind of come at you, and you passed it in between his legs to somebody, and he he flushed it. Now it's like yo, because like it's a split second decision. And I kept seeing like little highlights of you here and there doing kind of the same, but 
I know you said you know you kind of forgot how to score. You were still a problem when you felt like scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, when I, you know, and the high school I was a scorer. And then when I got to college, I'm like, okay, I'm 6'3". You know, I'm not the best athlete, but I'm strong enough to compete. And, you know, I can knock, the, I can knock down the open shot. So how I would be successful, how I make an impact, is it scoring or being a point guard? Mm-hmm. So quick there, you know, having those decisions was like you can see things and analyze things like, okay, here's where I, I think I can add more value and I become more point guard. You know what I mean? So it's just repetition, you know, like as a kid, you know, reading those 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 moments in your life when you use a pick and roll and you you study the game and you know people weak weaknesses. So it's like I've been a student of the game my whole life, and I get excited, and I wish I still I wish I could still play. You know what I mean? Because yeah. <laughs> those moments, man, like when you're you're coming down, and you know the guy's like overthinking, and you're like, all right, you just made a mistake, and I'm gonna make you pay here. Boom. You know what I mean? Or hey, uh, I'm coming off the screen. I know the big is not fast enough or or laterally quick enough to stand with me. So I'm gonna get in the lane, draw him, draw the other guy, and then I got four guys on me. They got three guys open. So, you know, it was like playing those mind games that uh, I now I use in transition in life now. You know what I mean? Right. So I've been a student, student of the game. Yo, I, I actually really, really love that. Like, um, I, I guess the only thing I'm having trouble with, right, is you were a natural scorer. And I understand that your value – I understand that you made the, 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 this transition because – what your most valuable uh, on your team could be is just you being a transition to point guard. But my question is, if you look at the game today, especially on the NBA level, right? You see how there's a lot of combo point guards, you know, I don't, not necessarily true point guards like we know back in the nineties. Right. But I'm talking about like, there could be scorers. Would you, if, if, if today's rules apply, like in today, modern day, could you see yourself being one of those types of point guards, even in college, let's say that look to score, even though you were a good passer? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the higher you go, the harder it gets. I got you. I mean, so at the high school, AU, college, you know, you got you, – you can play with it. But if you, if you want to be successful at the pro level, you have to pick one thing and stick to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like a guy that can do everything well, no, nobody wants him. But mm-hmm. you got a guy that can just shoot. You got a guy that can just set screen. A guy that can just – rebound a guy that can just attack now it's a different ball game you know what i mean right. but, uh, the guy that changed the game for everybody was russell russell Westbrook. you know what i mean for that position it's like this guy's six three and he dunks like jordan <laughs> you know derrick rose you know freak freak you know freaks man like yeah. right. those guys changed the game because before you know it was um stockton you know mark jackson um who who who's the other point guards that was you know Pascal Tony Parker you know what I mean uh, Jason Williams you know what I mean those those the game was different back then you know what I mean so now it's like if you can't play with the, that athleticism at that level you're not considered good you know what I mean right that's true right you you're uh, you mentioned kind of your your mentors a while ago right um, and. As I hear you speak, I hear a very calculated way of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Which to me suggests you actually pay attention and you seek advice, right? Which is, 
I think it's something I think human nature we're not really that good at. Yeah. And then on top of that, when you consider it, when you put it onto a man, right, we're even worse because yeah. a, a guy automatically thinks he knows everything mm-hmm. and rarely, if ever, really looks for, for assistance because they assume they're doing it right okay. all the time. How do you engage with your mentors and actually both respect their time and, and advice, but also seek it where you feel it's necessary? Like, it feels like you have like a rhythm with that. T- can you take us through how you do, how you approach it? So it's it started with my father. My father instilled in me, um, you know, always be humble, um, always learn, you know, when, you know, always be a server. Um, oh, this meeting has been upgraded to okay. Sorry, guys. No, that's all good. <laughs> so you know, it starts with my father, and that's something that I've I've learned throughout the years, and. And I think in our community, you know what I mean? You know what I mean when I mean our community. Yeah. yeah. You know, we have this machismo ego thing of like me, me, me. I'm the guy and, you know, I'm, I know everything. And, and I learned, you know, being adaptable to other cultures and seeing how they do things is, is a little different between our culture and our community. Because, um, you know, we don't share knowledge in our community because right. we think we're trying to be that the next big thing, you know. Right. In other communities, and I have learned that the way they approach and see things and plan and, and organize and share information, that makes everyone stronger. So my dad at an early age instilled that in my, my brain. You know what I mean? Like always be be grateful, always be a, a man's man, always, you know, uh, cherish people, always care about people because – when you show people that you care, you know, they, they'll react different to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have this ego where it's like, oh, I know everything or, or, or listen, do it this way, you know, it kind of changes things. So I think the approach of how you say things and how you approach people, you know, when you come from a humble perspective and want to learn and want to do better, I think people, people sense that and it helps you. It helps them and helps you because I take every person that I mean like a learning experience. You know what I mean? Like when we spoke, to, when we spoke yesterday, Manny, like, you know, it was supposed to be five, five minutes, but our conversation was like 30 minutes because, yeah. you know, we were interacting in a way that you was learning and I was learning. Right. So I think that, that, you know, being humble and, and, and trying to learn and um, it's helped me throughout my whole journey. So. Yeah, no, it's, That's it's, what- it's beautiful to see yeah, actually the manifestation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I actually, uh, for me, I really appreciate that as a man. And I think um, looking at it from, like you said, like from our community, it's not very uh, commonplace for us to share information. So I want to say thank you because I know us, not just us here in this podcast, but I'm talking about us as a community have something to learn from. Well, I know I definitely have something to learn from. Hopefully we all do. I have a question, though, regarding um, you in terms of your position um, do you see now, in terms of your position now, do you yeah. see it difficult as far as trying to uh, imply or put that wisdom and that guidance to the fellow people around you, student body, et cetera? Do you think it's is it easier or is it harder to kind of push that kind of that, that it, mindset? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And I say it is hard because uh, I have the experience and I work in my community, Washington Heights, after mm-hmm. playing these, I came back and it's like, you know, some people don't 
have that mental capacity to to see those things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when and and me, when I'm gonna make a decision, I always like to see everything mm-hmm. from a different perspective. You know what I mean? So I can mm-hmm. say, okay, this this decision works here, but it might not work there. So I think it's hard, and I don't know what that looks like. Uh, you know, to 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 start the 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 path. You know what I mean? But I think it starts with us, with our generation, mm-hmm. um, our kids that come behind us. Because um, the, the the generation before us, you know, they all they know was hard work and just try to survive. Right. You know, we 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 benefited from their sacrifices. So I think um, you know, I think we're supposed to be in charge of doing these type of things to share. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Uh, I think moving forward, it, it could get easier. You know, using social media and creating a, a brotherhood amongst us that um, can can perpetuate to something great in the future. So Let, let's talk a little bit about the, the Dominican side of, of the basketball equation here. Um, we, we know you to be now affiliated with the Dominican national team as an assistant coach, but your involvement with the team is, is not recent, right? Can you tell us more about, what, how you got involved with the national team and kind of some of those highlights? So it started, man, when I was a kid. So again, you know, it goes back to always being the right, uh, being at the right place at the right time, always respecting people and then, and, and people always watching you. So the way you move, the way you talk was always something still in my brain. Uh, me and Edgar Sosa got invited to play the, the, the national team. We were 16. Um, we ended up winning, I think was, uh, Silver, I think we won silver. We lost to Puerto Rico, and um, and uh, it was so I can't even think of it right now, but it was like the the 16U national team. We lost to Puerto Rico. Um, Orlando Antigua was an assistant coach there, so that's why I by relationship with him started. Um, and then from there, I finished, came back to you know high school, college, and then I got invited again to play in the national team as a pro. Um, and then, um, when I got into coaching, they called me back to be an assistant coach with the six U team. So again, it starts, I started somewhere and I started against the same spot in a different, different role. Back and then the I did a great job there. And then, um, you know, they bumped me up to the, the big boys. So the pros, so it's been a constant, you know, work, work at it. You know I mean? It, it's something that. I've been doing it for years. People just see it now and be like, "Hey, you know, how do you how do you get there so fast?" But it's been in the works for since I was my whole life. You right. know what I mean? Right. So um, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. You, you know, I gotta say, man. Um, first of all, I'm very proud of you for being the assistant coach there uh, for the Dominican Republic national team because, for me, just your mindset, your youth, right? I believe, especially in my opinion, the Dominican culture could stand to use someone like yourself because you 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 have you know this kind of american kind of thought process but you're also you know have dominican as well and i think it could only help the youth forward i think you like we talked about earlier our community needs this it needs brotherhood it needs uh the open-mindedness of like thinking of all things before like oh just being humble if you just want to start with one word so i just want to first of all congratulate you for that and ask you how is it as far as just specifically to the national team? Um, how has that transition been for you as an assistant coach? Do you feel like the players now are different from the players 
of your generation uh, you were playing? Uh, how different was it? And, and, and are you other receptive to you in terms of just your, your ideologies? So thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys so much, man. You guys are doing again, great things, man. This, I love this, man. Um, it's funny you say that because some, someone like a kid just messaged me on Instagram about a week ago, mm. about uh, a ten-year-old, and he said, "Hey, man, I, I've been I've been a fan of you since, since you played, and I've been watching you, and I think you're great. You know what I mean?" And I'm looking at him like, "I'm me? No, nah, man, I don't. <laughs> I think, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm just I'm just a kid just going through the motions, you know, trying to figure right. it out. And then when I go back, I'm like, wait." I've done a lot, you know what I mean? I, right. My whole journey has been, been been great. You know, the the cool thing about it that I got two college degrees for free. You know, I got wow. a bachelor's and a master's degree. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to interrupt you right now because we have to have a round of applause for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, like, I use basketball as a tool to get out the hood. So, you know, now I can be in those conversations with these big-time guys that, you know, when they see us, like, oh, he's just a Latino basketball player. No, I'm as educated as you are. Right. You know what I mean? And being able to do that and show the guys behind me, hey, you, you can do this too, but you can do this, this, and that. Um, you know, being a role model that, you know, I think that's something that I take pride in that, you know, I've done everything you can think of to to get where I'm at. So there was no handouts. There was no no shortcuts. You know what I mean? I, I you know that term that said get it out the mud. Right. I think I did that. Right. Um, but just to add to, your, to to what you're saying, like that transition, it was hard for me. It was hard because um, my mindset has been a player, and the guys that are playing pro now, the guys that I used to, right. when I played, <laughs> you know what I mean? so. But it was a, it was a mutual respect, you know what I mean? Because they know I was a proven winner at every level I played. So it was like basically uh, being being like the bridge between the old generation and the new generation. So, you know, it kind of sucked that uh, I'm a middle guy. I wish I was a player, you know, right. but uh, I took pride in that. And then I, I, you know, it's, it's, they love me and I love them and, you know, I'm learning from them and they're learning from me. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a great transition. Um, and every day I'm just eager to learn. So, yeah. What do, what do you say? Cause I know, I know the talent out of the Dominican Republic um, is, is increasing you know, every, every day. Right. And what do you say to those guys? Cause you know, as, as a third world country and just immigrants, um, like, you know, our families all at some point kind of migrated to the U S for the opportunity for a better life for us and for themselves. Right. I know you look around the world, a lot of people still in the same boat. They're looking to come to the U S or other countries like ours to, to make a better life for themselves. Mm -hmm. Basketball being, I'll call it a newer vehicle for, for Dominicans only because we're stereotyped into baseball, right? And that's been, there's been a pipeline established and you see a lot more promise with Dominican athletes on the baseball side, more and more on the Dominican side. But as you are looking at the talent in country, how do you talk to those kids or what, what kind of advice do you give them so that they can kind of have the best of both worlds right not not lose their dominicanness but yeah. add to it with a united states potentially um education opportunity so it's funny you say that manny i, I interned for the phillies when i was in grad school <laughs> uh, uh you know i'm not a fan of baseball i hate baseball I mean, really I baseball but it's not it's not you know you know 
when I got the internship, everybody was excited. Like, oh, you're working for the Phillies. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. You know, um, it's funny <laughs> you say that because, like, when I was interacting in, in, the, in the front office um, as an intern, um, like, I, I, I'm, I'm always analyzing the room. And when they talked about our our culture, they always give us, like, that flavor fire in us that we have. It's like that, you know, that, you know, I'm a knock you down type. You know what I mean? Right. And um, that's something that, that we have in our blood. You know what I mean? And I, I picked up on that quick this, this is how they were being portrayed. Mm. Um, so to push that back to Dominican basketball, um, and, and it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I, I was biased, like, you know, like most people thought that uh, basketball, baseball is only for the Dominican Republic. But basketball has been going on way before our time, yep. way before we was born. Yep. And I don't know if you saw in the last dance, there's a, a segment where the Dream Team went to DR. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Jordan went to DR and played in the Palacio. I missed it. When he, when he was in high school, when he was in college. I missed it. I got to go yeah. back. And I was like, wait, that's DR. Ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, wait, so Jordan played in the Palacio of the Ponte? So that right there, that's history. You know what I mean? Like, right. we're not aware of that because on their side, they don't really portray it. You know what I mean? So I was like, wait, okay, cool. All right. So <laughs> Mental to note. Back, yeah, to, to get back to you saying this, you know, it's basketball has been been – been of DR's blood for since long, long, long time ago. But um, I think, you know, it's just, it just starts with the educational side of it that I think we struggle in our country because basically the haves and the haves not, Um, you know, most of the kids play sports out of poverty, uh, including baseball, because, you know, you can make a lot of money and I wouldn't say easier, but it's an easier way of making it. Basketball is is different components, but, um, but do you tell do you tell these kids you know you being a part of the national team from a coaching capacity and having had the opportunity to work with the sixteen and under group, how do you position the opportunities that you were able to take advantage of here in the states collegiately for that? They say, hey, you know, I know I know everyone everyone wants to make it to the NBA, but bro, you can go to school for free and have a great college career, and then. And those opportunities, you know what I mean? Because so guys are young, worry about money, money, money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, money's good to have, but it comes with work. And that's the mindset like those kids have in that early age where it's like, all right, I want money. I want to pay for money. But if you get an education, you know, opportunities, you can meet different people that open different doors. So I told them, hey, look at this over here too. You know what I mean? Like, look, just look. I'm not saying look, you know? Yeah. So – I think that, you know, the educational part of it goes hand in hand. Yeah, I actually have a a question regarding the national team. Uh, The reason is because um, I want to say a year ago or two, I I read uh, some article regarding Al Horford uh, talking about the Dominican national team. Um, He didn't necessarily have any, like, much, a lot of positive things. I think it leaves a lot to desire as far as there's room for improvement there, okay? Okay. you know, whatever you can speak about, I would like for you to speak about um, because I have a lot of promise and hope for the Dominican national team because I feel like, like you say, like Dominicans have been playing basketball for a very long time. It's just only now being acknowledged. You know, we have Felipe Lopez, guys like Al Horford. Now we got guys like Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. My question is, 
do you see the steps that we can take to make that Dominican national team more of a household name in terms of the Olympics, et cetera? Do you see the potential? Of course, of course. If you think about it, this year we finished last year in the world game, we finished 16 in the world. Wow. Think about that. Think about how many countries in the world. Right. Finished 16 in the world with a team that nobody thought that was going to even win a game. We won two games. We beat Germany. You know oh, I mean? Yes, I remember. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, imagine if we, we, we would have had the big-time dogs. Like, we probably went to the Final Four in the World Games. You know what I mean? But me being a player, me being a coach, me being a fan, me being um, an outsider, and I'll, I'll give you guys first insight what the problem is. The problem is that us, we, th- we see things Americanized, right. what it looks like. But – we don't see the mental capacity of our country, the poverty, you know, the, 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 the operation side of it. Because over there, people are just trying to survive. Right. Right. So it's a different type of urgency when you're trying to survive. And over here, where it's, you know, you're going to be fine. Right. So I think, right. I think it's just finding the equal balance to, to even those things out where it's meeting our expectations here in the U.S., where we're supposed to be and lifting our country up where it needs to be, you know, and it's easy for people to just point, Oh, this guy ain't doing this, this guy doing that. But if you see the the youth program, how, where it's going, where it started, it's been, it's been lights, lights out, man. Cause we, we have about six, five guys that go division one every year from Dominican Republic. Wow. I mean, so and, and it's just growing. It's just growing. You know what I mean? Every year we get about five to ten, you know what I mean? And and that's that's how it starts, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think we're so quick to point fingers and, and not trying to solve the problem. Um, mm-hmm. but do, the circumstances that our country has and, 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 and the financial aspect of things, like, I think we're doing a great job. Right. You know? No, that's a, that's a really valid point. Um, we, get, we get caught up, and I, I – I mean, I think I've I've mentioned it on this actual episode a couple times, where I've. It, it's almost, I guess, yeah, it is kind of a finger point because yeah. I'm not looking at it. I'm looking at it more from the U.S. perspective, not accounting easy. for those. Yeah, right. It is. Easy, it is. Right? You know, Spain. Um, when you when you know when you're gonna analyze something, you got you want to see the best person that does it. Spain, U.S., Brazil, Argentina. Those are big countries. You know what I mean? With endless resources we're just a little small country man yeah you know what I mean? so how can we compete with these big time countries when they have for for decades a whole bunch of resources you know what i mean yeah. so you know i get it yeah. why people are sometimes mad and we should do this and do that but when you're inside in it and you see what's going on and we're mm-hmm. like trying to survive and make sure that everything's going smooth is, is a different perspective I, I, you know, like like my brother said, I'm very much guilty of the finger pointing thing, and I think you're right. You know, we've been spoiled here using the U.S. perspective. I guess I'm not just looking at uh, international basketball. Like I'm not just looking at the Dominican national team. I'm looking at like baseball national team. I'm looking. So I'm not. I, um, there was this uh, a guy that won the race a few years ago in the Olympics for the Dominican Republic. What? What is it? Felix Sanchez. Felix Sanchez. Okay. Perfect example. So even he has something to say about 
not just not necessarily the finances. I'm not talking about just financially. I'm talking about the support from the government. He he came out and spoke about it. Now he has got a lot of pride. And I'm yes, I am. I'm still in the space of finger pointing, and I don't mean it to be bashing. I just wanted to get my perspective out, and hopefully, you being on the inside can lend it back. It's more like I think it's it's. I feel like overall. There, there could be a, a better better um, push upward. And the reason I say that is this. We have a lot of professional athletes from the Dominican Republic that live here now in the United States, right, mm-hmm. that are playing on these national teams. So they have both perspectives like yourself. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, they have the push, they have the power, they have the money, the resources that many of those people over there don't have. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's – and I'm not – Again, I, I'm not saying that you suggest that you should have the answer like you're the president of Dominican Republic. I'm just wondering if you see that there is an opportunity to bridge that gap, not just for yourself. I'm talking about overall, like from all walks of life, Dominicans, mm-hmm. be it here or abroad. I'm just, I wonder. Yeah, I, th- I think it goes down to bridging that gap, but it's just like we talked about before, is just sharing information. Right. So, you know, if we share information of, how I do things here, how you guys do things there, and you do things there, and then he does things there. And then sitting at a table and just discussing, you know, mm. hey, we, we do this this way. You guys do that way. And then at the end, just come with a collective bargain on how to mm. fix things. So the problem is, it's just, you know, when it comes to politics and, and sports and athletes, you have three different perspectives, mindset, where what looks, what looks good or what succeeds. So, well, you guys might see that might work for you, might not work for me. So, right. again, it goes into coming together and finding out what works for everybody, you know. And it's right. years prior, we didn't have that bridge because it was the old generation. So a guy like me, a guy like Eric Sosa, a guy like Manny Casada, a guy from, like, our generation that played it, still playing it, understand the journey in the D1 level, what it, what it takes to be a Division One player coach. So now when we sit in a room with, with the federation, it's like, hey, wait, no, this ain't right. This is the way they do it. So let's kind of wait, copy what they do and implement it into our youth. So, for example, like Maita Mercedes, like he's the, the, the program director. He was like my first coach. He's been doing this since – he started with me and Edgar when I was 16. He has done a great job, and people don't recognize him because – you know, they think he's different, but he's been doing this since for, for like, I'll uh, say 15, 17 years. And every year he has about six, seven division one players. Like what division one from his, from, from that class. Mm. I mean, so, you know, it's giving credit to people that have been doing the work. And, right. And I, I think sometimes we're, we don't do that because we always look at the problem. Right. Like, Hey, yeah, that one thing he did wrong, but look at the, 10, 20 things he did right. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. That problem. That's, that's, that's usually, I mean, the negative always gets more focused than the positive, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, t- talking about people kind of doing good jobs and, and kind of giving back, you you and your dad, I want to say, started the Washington Heights Invitational Tournament. Is that is that a, mm-hmm. accurate? Both Correct. of you? and. And how long has that been running? Because I like <laughs> you pointed it out to me yesterday, and I had seen the banners, I had seen the the you know the the information about it quite a bit, um, not realizing it was affiliated with you. Um, so it's it's been 
My dad's been doing that since I was born. Okay. But not at that magnitude. Okay. So you so stepped dad, it up. Yeah, my dad did like block tournaments, like for example, 177, 175th. You know, you bring your block and we do a little tournament. So my dad was like the father figure in the community for all the guys that didn't have fathers. Mm-hmm. So that's where like that love came, you know what I mean? So um, then my dad, you know, started doing it since, since I was like 15. But I, you know, I was so good at I couldn't play because, I, you know, I was playing AU, so I never got a chance to play in it. So when I got done playing and I had a back injury, I came back to the community. And, you know, my dad, I saw, I saw what my dad was trying to do. Yeah. Then God, like, instilled that vision in me. Like, hey, you know, you you played out at all three levels. You've been around some great, amazing people. Um, you know, well respected. You know, there's something I can, something here is missing. People love basketball. So I used all my resources, people that I met, and created what is today my dad's tournament, Washington Sanitation Tournament. So, and it's, you know, it's, it's intended to be kind of a, an opportunity for kids who, for some reason or another, can't be on one of the premier AAU squads. And it's something yeah. in their neighborhood that they can actually compete at a pretty high level yeah. within the community. So, so I don't know, you know, when, when you was there, I was with the national team in China. So that's why we missed, we missed each other. Right. Uh, my partner was running in with my dad and, um, you know, and I'm, and now and now I ask you when you walked in that in that in that uh, park, how did you feel? It was great. I I I remember vividly feeling like I'd never. Well, I've been in the heights a lot throughout my yeah. life. I probably yeah. walked by that park tens of thousands of times. Yeah. Never set foot in it, but when I did, I remember texting a bunch of people like, "Yo, have you ever been here? Like the vibe is dope. Like you, yeah. I, they play really good basketball in here. Like." It, the setup was real nice. So, they, so thank you. <laughs> it took me a while to get that there. But I was trying to balance how to use the old generation of my dad's generation, mix it with our generation, with the old Dominican basketball and the New York City basketball mm-hmm. to give, like, that family feel in the park. Yeah. And, mm. you know, when you walk in there, it was like, all right, wait, you know, what is this? It's exciting. For for the park, you know, for the city. So I wanted to give those kids that feeling of like, oh, wow, this is, this is pretty cool, you know? Because when you go to all the tournaments, it's just like a basketball and that's it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I try to invest in, in the community, give them that, that, that place to go where it's like, oh, wow. You know, I'm at home. I don't. I don't play basketball. Wait, is there's a tournament down in the park that can you sit there and watch this kid plays basketball in a beautiful way? Yeah. You know, right. it's, not, it's not Rucker or Dykeman. I'm not. I'm not throwing shots, but it's not one on one. It's the teamwork. It's team, and um, that was my goal. My father's goal was to give that platform for the kids in the community. When I was there, it was for the um, Felipe Lopez. The Felipe Lopez. Yeah, yeah, and it was. Um, it was my first time. So when you say bringing the bridging the old and the new, that is exactly what I saw there. Like I didn't understand. Like Kobe Brayer was there, right? Mm-hmm. Young kid, right? That's I think he's going to Illinois now with with Orlando. My bro, I think he's going to Dayton. Dayton, yeah. Right? See, it was yes. one of them guys. Yes. <laughs> but but you had people like him, and then you had you know the Felipe's and even older generations of guys that I had no, I didn't know. So I'm over there talking to different people on the stands, like, yo, so who's that? And what's, you know, and they're giving me the breakdown of the history of these people. And I'm like, yo. And these are these are like 
I saw cats that probably were touching 60 years of age. Still playing. They were balling. Yeah. Because to be honest, when I first got there, you know, I had this, uh, the old guys, the old guys, you know, you know, because I don't know if you saw there's two courts, right? There's the, the yeah. big court and then the, the other court. Right. Uh, and my dad was like, man, I'm tired of these old guys. And they're always fighting. And I'm like, wait, dad, we got something here. Let's let's think this through. So what I did was the, the main court I used as for, you know, the league, the tournament. And then the other court, which is a little court, for the older guy, the over 60 league. Yeah. So in the summertime, you know, everyone wants to be outside. So I was like, you know what? Let me see how this works. So I had the old games on the baby side and then the tournament. So now you had a mixture of, of, of generations there. Like it was it was a beautiful thing that, you you know, you can ever, ever ask for. And then as I sit there and I watch, I'm like, wow, this, this is exciting because my, my dad's friends are happy and my friends are happy. Yep. And we're all happy. You know what I mean? We enjoy basketball. Right. So that was super cool. It breeds. It, you know how we always talk shit, um, in particular, like Dominican households. Everybody's talking shit all the time. Like, oh, whatever. You ain't shit. Like, especially when it's baseball, right? Oh, not, not baseball, but sports. You yeah. hear it. My team is better than yours. And I mean, you see that generally. But I feel like there's a heightened sense of it in Dominican households. You saw that in 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 a lighthearted way, but that that friendly competition between the generations, just from a fan perspective. I mean, on the court, it was a whole different thing, also. But like that dynamic was really fly to see. Man, it's, and I miss it, and I miss it, and it sucks this year that I know. you know all the stuff going on, man. But I like I look forward to that the summer, man. Like I'd rather be there than be on the beach, man. So. Wow. <laughs> I I gotta say Cause, I didn't because you could impact so many people, man. You don't even see it, like you know the neighborhood, like you giving people hope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. They, for example, there was this, this this old guy that just just in the park, and every year he always helped me, like, hey, what do you, what do you need help? And then at the end, when it's all said and done, those two months, he gives me a, a hug and my dad a hug, like, yo, thank you, man. Like, it's, it's been a great summer. So you know those type of things that is like prideful. You know what I mean? Like. You, you you sense of, of gratitude for those type of people. Yeah. You know, I gotta say I haven't had the the, the honor and the privilege to attend, but I'm definitely I'm excited to 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 attend in the near future when you guys redo it. But you know what I think also it's groundbreaking because what you said is what stood out to me is you're exposing the community of the heights to great, beautiful basketball, like the way it should be played. Right. And I think for me, like when you talked earlier in the segment about you know the division, the, the 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 difference between Washington Heights basketball and the Bronx, right? For example, you had the opportunity to play in all three levels. You you had your first witness because you played firsthand of what the game should look like. So it's only beautiful that you bring it back to them and expose them at such a young age, where a lot of these kids don't actually know what that mm-hmm. what that even is. So mm-hmm. I want to first again commend you for for that because I'm a I'm a huge proponent of the of, of the game. For its essence, the beauty of what it, when it's played the right way, and I just mm-hmm. want to say thank you for bringing that to our community because I love the game, and that's it's, why I love the game. It's been it, I've been blessed, man. You know, from being a player to to, to playing street ball, uh, playing in high school, playing in college, playing overseas, um, coaching international, coaching in college, coaching in JUCO, uh, working at the NBA league office. I've been 
basketball out. Every anything you can think of basketball, I've been at every level. So you know, I've been I've been blessed with endless opportunities that I, I always cherish, man. So I'm always grateful. Thank you. You're welcome. I want to um I want to talk now, kind of like the current chapter of your basketball journey, right? Um, so you you've done and you kind of highlighted some of them already, but you you got into the coaching side of things, right? Operations coaching. It's all part of the coaching staff at the end of the day. Um, you were, I, th- I think your first opportunity was with your alma mater as a graduate assistant while you were getting your master's degree, right? What, um, which by the way, again, um, kudos to you because <laughs> you, you know, you finish playing, you come back, you achieve another great milestone that a lot of us can't. Like, I think I read a stat. It's like, um, I think it's like 8% of, of, minorities maybe even people in general achieve a graduate degree mm-hmm. right and so for for an athlete to accomplish that um i feel is a big feat and not because i think athletes are less than educationally it's because there's so much on an athlete's plate um that it's really difficult to balance actually getting a quality education plus doing your job which is kind of what why you got the scholarship right kind of why you're getting paid to go f- you know, for free, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And so to get the bachelor's and then to have the goal to come back and find a way to do it for your master's degree and still tough, tie it to man. basketball, bro, like, good that, for that you. Was so tough, man. Not thinking about it. I'm sitting here like, I, I, don't, I don't know how I did that, man. Right. <laughs> um, but you did it, right? And it kicked off a couple of things for you, right? Man, you're giving me goosebumps, man. Like, just <laughs> that, that process was like a nightmare, man, but I did it. Uh, so it it goes back to um my college career you know playing for my head coach a new coach fan dunphy and i think he's gonna be a hall of famer soon um you know i I played for him i went to the ncaa 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 tournament uh three times i won three a10 championships um you know my senior year, we was ranked 12 in the country. We won 29 games, only lost six. Wow. Um, we got upstate in the first round. Uh-oh. I think we just lost you. You got eliminated in the first oh, yeah. round. You're back. You're back. Yeah, we, you said you got eliminated yeah, got in the first round. First round. Yeah. Are you guys hear me? Or Yeah, yeah we can hear you. Okay. So I went to a tournament three times. My sophomore year, we played uh, Michigan State. My sophomore year, junior year, we played against uh, James Harden. Wow. And wow. we played against uh, Cornell. And I think uh, we should have we won that game, but whatever, it's over with. <laughs> um, you know, having that, that, that difference to, to, to win three championships, three SAO tournaments appearance, and finishing in three, three and a half years, uh, getting my bachelor's in three wow. and a half years. It's something that wow. I took pride in, you know what I mean? Because, like, every time I used to come back to, to my sit to my neighborhood, like, man, I see the guys in the corner hanging out, selling drugs, like, yo, I never want to come back to this. So having uh, that push to keep doing that, um, but th- those, those things kind of, like, helped me, you know what I mean? It helped me. Um, and then I went to play overseas, uh, you know, for, for five uh, for five years. I played in nine different countries, um, seeing the world and seeing what basketball was done for me, and um, and having that connection with my coach of winning. You know, 
uh, I had a back injury that um, had surgery, so I couldn't play as fast as I used to. I wasn't as quick as I used to, so I was always getting hurt. So I got done. My last job was in Spain, and I called Coach, like Coach Dunf. Hey, Coach, you know, my body's breaking down. I'm not as quick as I used to be. You know, I'm always getting hurt. What's next in life? I was fortunate to have a mentor like him and Killings. And the Wayne Killings called yeah. the Wayne Killings. Uh, Killings, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming here at a humble, I'm from humble beginnings. Uh, play basketball my whole life. I don't know what to do. What, what can I do? So DK helped me with Coach Dunf and he said, hey, come back and be a grad assistant and learn how to coach. And I'm like, nah, man, I, I can't be a coach. And then he's like, yeah, I'm telling you. And then you can get your math. I'm like, DK, man, I don't want to go back to school. Right. I just, you know, I, I just got done playing in, in, playing in Spain, Denmark, Slovakia, Mongolia, the DR, Puerto Rico. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at my best, you know, traveling the world and seeing different things. I'm like, you think I want to sit in the classroom and yeah. study? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? All right, I'll do it. And then I did it. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. Um, I got my master's degree. Uh, sports master, uh, sports business. I met amazing people. I interned for the Phillies in my time there, and you know, got into coaching. So, are you are you enjoying was, the ride so far? Oh, uh, now I am. Now I am. <laughs> it, it it was a grind. It was a grind, and um, I, you know, I got I got to learn from uh, Aaron McKee that played with uh, Eddie Jones. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um. Uh, Dwayne Killings was there and Coach Dunn for like great guys that are doing great things now. So, you know, I was the youngest guy on the staff and I was a GA and I was learning. I learned from those guys. So, you know, I've been blessed. If if, if I would have had a, a bad relationship with my college coach, you know, I would probably never had the opportunity to get my master's for free. I got to say, um, one thing that I've noticed in this in your story in the time that we've been here is you've had a lot of great mentorship. Um, uh, but the beautiful thing is what led you to this great mentorship is your talent. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you took ownership of your craft and you made it to those positions to put yourself in position to be affected by these wonderful people, which I think is something to also be said. Like you own your skills, work on your craft, build yourself up and put yourself in position to be in, in that circle of, of great mentorship. Um, but I, do you see yourself today, not just in terms of your job, right? But do you see yourself in general as a mentor in terms of what you do for community and what 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 has passed on to you? Do you feel like you're passing it on to others in terms of what you've known or what you've gone through? So I, I think um, everything I do is paying it forward because it was paid to me. Sure. So and as a point guard, you know, you, you, you kind of develop the skill where it's like you analyze everything from front to back and you see people's weaknesses and strengths. So I've been I've been I've been able to use that skill on the court in life. You know what I mean? So I've been blessed to like pick things from people that I like. You know, I don't like that from that person, so I'm not gonna use it. I like that. You know what I mean? I've been able to pick good traits. And hmm. you know, having those uh, that ability to like see things like that uh made me like feel like I can be a mentor to the next generation. So hmm. I have two younger brothers that I'm constantly feeding it. Like we have a group chat, but I'm feeding information, stuff that, that I never got, you know what I mean? Like, you know, about uh, bank literacy, um, you know, what to study when you get to college, you know, stuff that we didn't have yeah. growing up and we picked up late, you mm -hmm. know, um, sharing those type of knowledge that, 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 
and you know, and if you, if you guys had the information you have now back then, this mm. conversation would be completely different. Yeah, we, sure. we'd be on a spaceship having this conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, the people that I've been around that at the FIBA level, the NBA level, the college level, um, the grassroots level, the city, um, you know, I just absorb all that information and you see how can I implement that in my everyday life and share with the next generation. So the next generation don't have to go through the, the bumps and the mistakes that I made, you know what I mean? To get, to make their process a little easier than mine. So I take a lot of pride in being a mentor and being a good person. So Chuck, Chucky Martin and actually Orlando Antigua, Dwayne Killings, uh, Book Richardson. I mean, ma- many people have commented on, consistently telling me humble dude rock star talent um and they're talking about in present day like they see a lot of bright opportunities for you in the coaching capacity or you know in the in the i call it the administrative part of basketball which includes for me um coaching um but but what i find really well what i what i'm curious about is you're you're now the director of operations at Stetson, right down in Deland, Florida. For for a lot of people, I think we take we don't really understand what all these different roles are, right? People get what a head coach is, people get what assistant coaches are. Um, then you've got you know video coordinators, which I know you were a video coordinator at one point. Also, you've got director of operations, assistant director of operations. Like, what are you actually doing? Like, and how does that fit into the coaching? you know, tree, if you will. So, and you guys know your profession too. It's not what you do is how you get there. So Facts. my journey has been, I think, unique. And the way I, I got here, it's been, it hasn't been an easy process. And, you know, being Latino, um, you know, minority, it's a little harder to get to places. Um, but I went from, you know, in the, and I'm going to walk you guys through how this works. So you have the head coach, three assistant coaches, and then you have, you can be a video coordinator, director of ops, or player development. And then below it, you have um, a grad assistant, a grad manager, and then below that, you have a manager. So that's Mm. like the chain. That's the staff. Yeah, Yeah, as a staff. So everybody does their own unique work and then compile together. So my journey was, I was a player first, you know what I mean? So I was a pretty good player for a little bit of respect. Uh, I was a grad assistant at Temple. Then I was a director of player development at Ryder, uh, Division One school down in at, uh, Lawrence, Lawrenceville, Florida, uh, Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Jersey. And then from there, I was uh, a coach at the JUCO level because I, I couldn't get an opportunity you know, to be an assistant coach at a, at a division one level. So I had to go a parallel um, uh, path to get up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you think of the Juco level, people are like, oh, it's Juco, junior college. Nobody respect that. But, you know, that's the only opportunity that I had. So right. what I did was I took a side step, right, to get the title of associate head coach. Um, and then Sorry. I ended up, you know, winning there. And then – I got this. Uh, I got the opportunity to be an assistant coach with the national team. So now people are looking at me different now. Like, okay, this guy went this way yeah. instead of going straight. You know what I mean? So now I became an assistant coach of the, of the national team, associate coach at the JUCO level. Now the conversation is a little different now. 
Whereas if I was a if I was a grad assistant or a manager, they wouldn't respect me as much. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So my 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 journey has been whatever you do, move forward. Mm. So having those attributes of being an assistant coach, being a the uh, director of player development, a, a writer, you know, being a, um, an associate coach at, at, at Moreau kind of perpetuated me to be at this role now in an administrative position and working at the NBA. Yeah. So I, I learned to make myself valuable by different experiences. So now mm-hmm. the conversation is different now. So now I got two master's degree. I speak two languages. Um, you know, I, I live in New York. I'm Hispanic. I play in New Jersey, went to school in Philadelphia, coached at the JUCO level, worked at the NBA league office, uh, uh, coached at the D, the D1 level. So now the conversation is different. Mm. So now in order for me to get to my next role, which is, is to be an assistant coach at the collegiate level, the NBA level, I have to do a great job here on this um, administrative role. Play the uh, director of ops. So, so what is it like? What's what's your day to day like in in this role? So my day to day is like is like the same thing running a basketball league tournament. Uh, okay, times a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Logistics. So, is I basically oversees everything from budgeting, meals, team travel, team schedule, weight room, study hall. Making sure that the coaches got what they need to be successful. Making sure that the players got what they need to be successful. Making sure that the guys are got the proper class schedule to succeed. Um, a lot of planning, ho- booking hotels, um, video coordinating, um, being assistant to the head coach, being the right hand man. Um, man, I can I can tell you what more. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> um, and and on, on top of that, executing the plan that you have. For example, we had. I think 18 away games. So I had to execute 18 different scheduled itineraries of waking up breakfast, uh, what time the bus is leaving, what time is the game. So it's, it's a lot of pressure, you know what I mean? Mm. But being a kid from the city, running my own basketball league, being a point guard kind of like molded me to that, to those big time, um, um, you know, situations where now it's like, this is it. You know, I've been here already. Right. But most guys would be like, Oh, I'm nervous, or oh, did the meal get on time, or the uniform? You know what I mean. So I've been blessed to have those experiences to get me where I'm at in life. So that's beautiful. I I love that. Um, Do you have something you want to say? Nah, you go ahead. No. So first of all, it's wonderful how you tied everything together about your experience. And by the way, I'm gonna tell you, man, that resume that you laid out. We should hire your ass right now. <laughs> Yo, you have to do resume, mira. Yeah. So, so let me. I want to. I, I want to ask you one more question about the national team. Okay, one more, last one. What year of the? What do you believe in your experience? Just you watching, your recollection is the best national team. Dominican national team that you've seen. Oh, putting you on a hot seat, kid. Ah, Let's see how you're going to... The best one? That's easy. (laughs) The one you were on. I can give you that right now. Okay. The best national team is when we had everybody. (laughs) It was uh, was, uh, Lou Flores, Mm -hmm. Francisco Garcia, Charlie B, Big Charlie, Al Harford, Jack Michael, um, Ricardo Greer, um, 
Ronald Ramon? Was he on that? No, I don't think he was on that team okay. yet. Um, he, he might have been on that team. Um, and that was, Grigio. That was like, what, early 2000s? Like, 04? Oh, started seven, I think it was. That, okay. around that, year. that was the best national team. But <clears throat> if, you know, Al Harford, Car Anthony Town, and Trevor Ariza, and, you know, this, those guys would have played now, it, it, it would have been up for debate. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that was like our best best team because we had at the time we had um three NBA players. No, oh, yeah, four, we, four, but Lou Flores. All right. You yeah. think you think we could do a good job with this podcast twisting their arms a little bit so they could all play on the team? <laughs> just just one time going your pocket. You know, I, I think it's it's there for man because like you know you're making that type of money in the NBA man and then and you know like the body is like so delicate man like you know right. feeding your family. I understand. Sometimes it's a little different to, to risk. When you're young, you can do it. But the older you get, you're like, I'm right. making 30, 30 mil right here, man. If I play this game, get hurt, then leave me. Yeah. You know? No, I understand. I understand. It's, well, it's a, at least and, it's good to dream a little bit. And then the other don't have that type of insurance to cover 30 mil. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You bankrupt, right. you bankrupt the country right there. That's the problem that yeah. people don't see the – the, 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 no, I understand. You know, no, I I, to- I totally get it. What I think is interesting though is you'll see, um, actually, with with uh, in the G League now, what they're talking about doing with um, the path to what are they calling it? The path to to the pros, I think, is what they're calling it. Basically, what what Ross Strickland is is heading up with uh, Sharif Abdul Rahim and uh, mm-hmm. the the lady. I forget her name. Apologies. Um, so anyway. They've got some vets that are basically on their last couple, like I think it's like their last year of a contract or something like that. They're opening up the opportunity for them to play in this league. And now the, the similarity that I bring up with that and, and DR potentially, and I'm just spitballing here, you pro- you get, you'll know better because you're involved. But you've got like this, the kids that are like highly touted high school players, Right, they got. Um, they're trying to get them into the G League, right, to to groom them because they don't want to go to college. So they're trying to skip the the collegiate ranks and go to this path of, to the pros. So they just locked up some kid, um, last name Green. I forget his first name, but okay. but he, I think he, somewhere around five hundred grand is what they're gonna pay him. So so he's like the first in in this kind of system. But then they're going to put other kids, they're going to get other kids like that into the mix. And then they're yeah. going to pepper in some aged guys, right? Seasoned vets. And that combination is going to be competing at different places. So it does well for the young cats because it's giving them the, the, the vet experience. My question to you is, and you know, I'm asking you questions too, but yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. to go both ways. Yeah. I mean, how, how many players are like that? It's a handful. Not many that can do that. Not you many. Know what I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not t- many. It's probably so, maybe three a year, maybe. So what the NBA is doing is, you know, just thinking they just want to get their hands on their kids before a place like Spain, Australia, yes. takes that that you know that prospect and give them that money. Yes. Or we keep them here when it's time for them to be a pro. Then you know set up. They get the credit. We, you know, the United States gets the credit. Yeah. So right. it's funny you say that because there's a kid that interesting. Uh, the kid named Gene Montero. Mm, I don't he's know. He's gonna. 
he's going to be, you know, just remember this name, G. Montero. He's going to be the part of the point guard for the national team in the next couple of years. Mm. And he came out of high school. He, he was from Dominican Republic. He did a diff, different route than most, most of us, us kids from DR. They go to college. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was just good enough to play Division One at a high level, being recruited. But his family circus has living in, like, I think they're from, like, one of the worst parts. I want to say worst parts. Let me change tough, that word. A tough part. Tough part of, you know. Santo Domingo. Kind of me, like, tough. Right. So he had, a, he, had a, he had to produce for his family. So he ended up taking signing the contract to play in Spain professionally. Sorry. So, you know, this, this kid could have went to college, waited four years. Who knows? Yeah. But now he's getting, you know, I don't know how much he's getting, but he's getting money now. And he's developing playing in Spain the proper way. You know what I mean? So that what you're saying, a lot of guys are doing that, but there's a handful of guys that can do that. No, right. absolutely. And where I was going with it, it was a long-winded way of saying, is the is the Dominican national team able to take, you know, I'll use Francisco Garcia as an example, right? When he was kind of going to the the twilight of his career in the league, how is it like an, uh, of, of an official kind of thing where you'll get like the vets that played in the league that that would play, you know, in the in the Dominican national team to kind of help the younger guys, is yeah, that is yeah. that like a I process mean, that that happens? I think um, um, Felipe Lopez has been doing that. Yeah, He's been doing that. Right. Yeah. But again, it goes back to funding. You know what I mean? The NBA mm-hmm. has endless funding. You know they have a budget for that. I don't think we have that in DR because you know right. guys get paid well. So you know, as you guys know, time is money. You know what I mean? So you yeah. get a guy with, with a family, you think. If it's not, you know, beneficial for him, he's not going to give his time like that when he has kids. I get it. Right. I just, I'm just, I'm just, I guess, ignorant to the fact and thinking more like, damn, hopeful that that the give back is more like at that stage of a career, right? You're at the yeah. end of your basketball playing days. Hopefully, you stash some cash, but I know the reality is very different. People's situations yeah. are very different. I, I, I think it's just yeah, I, they're trying to do that, and this go back to. To, to budgeting for that. And, um, you know, some guys do it out of heart, uh, you know, the love of their heart. Uh, I know Felipe is one of the guys that do it. He mentored the guys. But um, there's a – I think there's a, like, a, a, a youth 7, 16, 15 league in the R, country-wise, that they, they just did, like, the last three years, whereas, like, you know, Santiago's plays the capital, the, you know, La Romana. So it's, like, a basically a little miniature NBA and over there, like to a certain age, because after a certain age you become a pro, you have to go to college. So they they've been they, you know they've been doing some great things in the R that hasn't been um, you know uh, um, shown on on this side. Gotcha. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, I just want to say um, that having a person like yourself spearheading the new generation of I feel like Dominican players, but college players in general. But I'll say Dominican players because your national team affiliation. I'm very hopeful for their continued success because I'm a fan. You know, I try to catch them when they're in the Olympics, even though the, the hours are all types of, di- of hours during the day. But I try to catch it because I'm still hopeful. And I have great, great memories of the t- 2006 and 17 you just mentioned. I, I think since then I was like, <laughs> so I was like, 
Yeah, ever since then, I was like, oh. Bro, we, had, <laughs> we, had, we had three guys that played in the NBA, like, minutes. You know what I mean? And then we got Lou Flores that, you know, got, you know, he made it and he got cut, but right. you know, he got drafted. You know what yeah. I mean? We had four guys get drafted in the NBA. That's never been seen. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. That, that, that's I love it. And then we had Court Anthony Town that was like, a, I think he was like number one draft pick, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, it's like, think about that, man. That's, that's, that's I love cool. it. Yeah, I, listen, let me, I'm, I'm going to continue giving you praise and credit because, I, honest to God, seriously, you could have been a coach, let's say, for an example, an older coach. I'm talking about old man right now with older views of how the game is played. But you're not. You're a young man. You're, you're not too far removed from this generation of players. And you have all this experience. And that's why I, myself, are hopeful. Add that to the fact that you are American bred in terms of your per your, la personalidad, like your, mm -hmm. your, your, your way of thinking is not like DR. And I understand. But you're able to dissect both. You have both ways of thinking. You understand from this side and you understand from that side. And yep. I think that's what they, they need. I think it's, they need a person that can be in touch with both culture. I'm going to share something with you guys, man. And, you know, this is like one of my biggest, like, uh, I, I would say cheat sheets. Yeah. Okay. So everywhere I've been, and I, I told Manny about this, I've been blessed to win um, as a coach, as a player. Everyone, like, if you check my track records, every level I have won. And um, every level I just see one person that I want to be like, like mm. Fran Melfi at Temple, um, Kevin Baggett at Ryder, um, you know, every person that has success, I just try to mirror that. And then this year, I just, I'm, I'm, I've been blessed because I don't know how I, I landed here. Um, my head coach is um, Donnie Jones. Yep. He's an he's assistant uh, coach for Florida when they won the back-to-back. -back. Remember that? 06, 07? Yep. Yeah, with Joaquin Noah Halford. Yep, he was assistant coach when they won the back-to-back. -back. So I get to work on him. No, Eric. but no, no. And it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. The assistant coach, Brandon Sir, was an assistant coach on the bad boy team, the Detroit Pistons. Get out of And he was director of scouting for the Dream Team. Yeah, I didn't know okay. that part. So, I didn't know yeah. that part. So wait, time out, time out. Can, can I say something real fast? So, which which is even more foul for Isaiah Thomas because his man was the one doing the scouting. So, I am so blessed, man. I, I'm so blessed that you know I've been around great basketball, and I get I, I come to work to learn from two of the best guys in the business and Coach Sir, like. Brandon Sir, man, he's like he's like a guru, man. I, you know, that's like so exciting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm in an administrative position, but I get to rub elbows with these guys, man. That been at a high level, have won, and know what one, you know, where where what winning looks like. Yeah, it's price it's prices, man. Think about a kid from New York City, Dominican kid, man. I'm I'm living my dream. That's dope, bro. Yo, that is, yo, that is the most, yo, you've been blessed, man. God has literally blessed your path, yo, from beginning to end. But I'm pretty sure it's for a good reason and you deserve every single 
accolade that you've received, my brother. Yo, listen, I I I want to see you as the head coach of the Dominican national team one day. That's the goal. That's the goal. I want to see you as number one, Coño. So when I look over, I'm like, okay, yeah. And was on dribbling dive. And trust us when we say. <laughs> You've got the janitorial staff locked down right here, bro. We got our brooms ready, my dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You never seen a water by water boys like this in your life. <laughs> nah, man. I'm going to hire you guys to be our, our marketing guy, man. You, you guys are great, man. You guys do great things, man. Yo, yeah. Luis, man, we, we appreciate you taking the time, bro, on a, on a on a beautiful Sunday. I'm sure it is down there in Florida. Um Look, man, we'll, we'll be t- talking more for sure. I wish you the best of luck throughout the rest yes. of uh, your COVID quarantine time. And, uh, yeah, the upcoming season, man, I hope it kicks off and you guys do amazing. Yo, you, you guys got me in trouble, man, because this this uh, interview was supposed to be for an hour. So I got a, <laughs> I got a speech thing, and they, they're going to kill me. I but, know, you know. Use- Use your skill. Use your skill set that you've learned over the years. No, not with this one, man. They, they, they're gonna kill me, man. Uh, they've been waiting for me. But um, other than that, man, I appreciate you guys. This has been great. You know, you know. I, I, as I told Manny, I want to create a brotherhood for for generations to come, and you know, and I look forward to seeing this, and and I hope people can see this and and take information from it and use it. Um, this type of conversation is needed in our community. Um, and who knows, man? Who knows what the future brings? And I, I wish you guys the best. And and thank you, thank you, All right, brother, from the bottom of my heart, guys. Thank, you. appreciate thank you. Thank you, man. God bless you, brother. Keep going. We're gonna be rooting and supporting you guys from from the future on, brother. Just let right, me brother. know when we'll be there. Love and peace, fellas. All right, brother. See you guys. Peace, peace brother. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.